0: Chapter thirteen of the heart of Philura by Florence Morse Kingsley. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter thirteen Not at Home to Visit Us. The sun was still an hour above the horizon when Mrs. Pettibone, somewhat shaken and pale of face after her half hour alone with grief, came forth into the soft light of the afternoon. She would have time, she thought. To walk the scant mile which separated her from the scene of Millie Orne's new activities, Mrs. Pettibone was not a very astute person, being amiably inclined to take every one at his own valuation in place of worldly wisdom. However, she was often aware of intuitions familiarly known as feelings, not to be denied or otherwise put down, and these feelings she found were timidly but no less stubbornly arrayed against the higher dicta of an idealistic philosophy as she proceeded resolutely on her way. She decided that since she had herself assisted in bringing about the change in Orne's life, she must somehow control its consequences. Not knowing that consequences, like other seemingly blind forces in nature, cannot be controlled. But her resolution, however futile, served to give poise and even a degree of boldness to her manner, as in due time she mounted the steps in front of the old Eggleston mansion. Milly herself, prettier than ever in a fresh blue gingham and frilly white apron, opened the door. The ladies, she said, were not at home. Then she blushed very prettily. ''She told me to say it,'' she whispered. ''It means they don't want to see anybody. Miss Hill says it's perfectly proper.'' But I may come in and see you, Milly. The girl hesitated, gazing at her pastor's wife from under her long, curved lashes. I, um, I might walk with you a piece, she said doubtfully. But if you come in, I shall have to take you to the kitchen. You see, I'm being trained. Mrs. Pettibone frowned quite pretentiously for a person with no eyebrows to speak of. I see you are, she said while the recalcitrant feelings surged up very strong indeed within her. After a moment of natural hesitation she added, I'm coming round to the kitchen, my dear. It won't hurt me in the least. And now that I think of it, I've often visited with Miss Minerva Eggleston in the kitchen when she happened to be busy. I know the place very well. Milly thought that was different, but she obediently closed the door while Mrs. Pettibone picked her way through the long grass to the rear entrance. Of the closeted ladies within, there was no sign, though she fancied she detected the low murmur of voices floating out from an open window. This is a real nice kitchen, Millie said with faint embarrassment as she set forth a well-scrubbed chair for her visitor. Oh yes, it is, agreed Mrs. Pettibone, glancing around the old room. The scene of Miss Minerva Eggleston's slow metamorphosis from defiant youth to resigned middle age. You, I hope you find it pleasant here? The girl hesitated, looking down at her reddened fingers. There is a great deal of hard work to do, she said, but I don't mind that. I am all the time thinking about the nice new roof we'll have next winter, and the cow. I can buy the cow for grandfather before long. And you don't mind? Well, Mrs. Hill is considerate? Milly looked up quickly. Her lips parting in a doubtful smile. Well, it, it isn't as if I had to stay always, she said. I couldn't do that. But just this summer, I don't mind very much. Mrs. Pettibone reflected soberly. It would not be right, she was thinking, to instill the poison of evil suspicion into the girl's mind. And what indeed was there to suspect? Milly was gazing at her intently. You've been to see my grandmother, haven't you? Mrs. Pettibone did not deny it. And she's worried about me. And now you're wondering whether I... But you see, Grandmother's always been worried about me. Ever since I can remember. Course it's foolish. Milly smiled, revealing the edges of her pretty teeth. She'll be glad next winter though, won't she? Oh, I'm sure I hope so, murmured the minister's wife mechanically. She was skirting her way about the difficult subject of which she wished to speak, timidly intent upon her duty. And you, have you become better acquainted with Mrs. Walter Hill? she propounded after a pause. She seems very young. About your own age, I would say. Milly shook her head. She was still smiling, as if she had already guessed what her visitor was thinking, and found it faintly amusing. Young Mrs. Hill doesn't notice me at all, she said frankly. I never see her to speak to her. Mrs. Pettibone's childish eyes expressed disappointment. Oh, I'm sorry for that, she said. I thought perhaps a cheerful young girl like yourself, well, my... And Mrs. Hill, the mother? You are naturally with her a good deal. Mrs. Hill is always with her daughter. Of course, I see her mornings sometimes out here, or when she tells me things, like today." A conscious flush rose to Mrs. Pettibone's faded cheek. "'You must be very lonely here,' she concluded, with what she felt to be Machiavellian duplicity. "'I should be, if it weren't for Mr. Hill,' said Milly. "'He's very kind.' "'Kind?' echoed the minister's wife, very pink and agitated. "'Kind?' Well, you see, Mrs. Hill seems to forget that I'm here sometimes, explained Milly. And if it weren't for Mr. Hill, I shouldn't know what to do always. Where to find things, I mean, and what to have for dinner, and isn't that just a little odd, my dear? Questioned the minister's wife, her voice trembling. Hasn't Mr. Hill anything to do? Any business? Or one might think he would be very much occupied with his wife. Millie again shook her head, a troubled pucker appearing between her brows. I don't pretend to understand anything here, she said under her breath, but oughtn't I to do my work as well as I can and not try to understand? These people will go away in the fall and I shall never see them any more. But just now, I can help them, cooking their meals and keeping everything tidy. And oh, I'm not old or wise like grandmother. But why should I be afraid of anything or anyone, as long as I do the best I can to help?" The girl's face, as she said this, wore a look so innocently sweet and strong that Mrs. Pettibone felt suddenly ashamed of her little hoard of worldly wisdom. She took the rough little hand in both her own. You're a good girl, Milly," she said warmly. If you will just trust God to guide you and keep on helping... The girl's expression changed subtly. And Mrs. Pettibone, suddenly aware of an unfriendly presence in the room, turned to face the mistress of the house. Mrs. Hill advanced a few steps, her face twisted in an odd smile, her plump hands moving slowly the one over the other. I thought I heard voices, she said blandly. In the country it seems one must secure one's privacy behind locked doors. Mrs. Pettibone's eyes opened very wide and blue suddenly blinked as if she had received a dash of cold water, full in the face. I had no thought of intruding, she said, with surprising dignity. I came to call on you and your daughter. But I meant to ask for Milly. Indeed, I came chiefly to see whether she was happy in her position here, since I, in a way, am responsible for her presence in your house. Mrs. Hill moved her large shoulders deprecatingly you quite misunderstand me my dear mrs pettibone i beg to assure you we fully appreciate your interest in our affairs Uh, won't you uh, i think i should like to speak to you for a moment her gesture peremptorily remanded the small person in drab alpaca to the room from which she had so quietly emerged a moment before mrs pettibone remained standing after two doors had closed noiselessly behind them she was swiftly reviewing the conversation she had just had with millie orne wondering what she ought to have said in view of the facts." Mrs. Hill pointed to a chair. "'Kindly be seated,' she said coldly. "'It occurs to me that, since I am employing a servant in whom so many persons appear to take an interest,' Mrs. Pettibone's eyes conveyed an indignant question, which Mrs. Hill proceeded at once to answer. "'I am not referring altogether to yourself, Mrs. Pettibone. Your own solicitude for the girl is certainly natural.' I might say, in a way, professional. But there are others. The tradespeople and the girl's relatives. Really, it's quite extraordinary. I think you must have misunderstood what I said to you about Milly," began Mrs. Pettibone. She is not... Mrs. Hill waved her hand. We'll not go into that, she said dryly. Granted, the girl is what persons of her class call a perfect lady. She nevertheless possesses a tongue and doubtless forms opinions. She has told me nothing, began Mrs. Pettibone. Yet you were cross-questioning her with considerable adroitness. What do you want to know? The minister's wife suddenly bethought herself of the presbyterial dignities which she represented. Her manner, as she rose to her feet, conveyed a rebuke commensurate to the offence. I can see very little use in talking with you, she said slowly. You are not you'd like to tell me i'm not a lady smiled mrs hill oh no don't go there's something i want you to hear from me mrs pettibone had drawn her little figure to its full height looking down at the woman who remained seated with grave dignity we came here mrs hill went on without apparent perturbation in order that we might be quite alone and unnoticed one would suppose that in a remote country place like this one might "'Don't interrupt me, if you please. "'I acknowledge I am beaten. "'And so I shall tell you something of ourselves, "'and you will oblige me by repeating it "'to the persons in your parish who may be interested.' "'I think I should prefer not to.' "'Mrs. Hill smiled disagreeably. "'Oh, but I insist. "'Kindly understand. "'I am taking you into my confidence, Mrs. Pettibone, "'because you are the wife of the local clergyman.' and I very much prefer to have you tell people about us. Quite naturally, you know, at an afternoon tea, perhaps, or the church social. To having Salter, the grocer, or the old woman who comes to see my maid, retail the impressions of that worthy young woman. Of course, I understand that personally you feel no curiosity, or take no interest, as you call it, in us or our affairs. But you do take an interest in the girl, Millie, as you have proved this afternoon." Mrs. Pettibone took two steps toward the door, an indignant exclamation escaping her lips. The woman sat quite motionless, watching her narrowly. If I should tell you I'm in deep trouble, you would listen, wouldn't you? I thought so. Now sit down, There's a good creature, and let me tell you. But she did not speak further for a long minute during which Mrs. Pettibone nervously examined the tips of her shabby gloves. It was her duty, she thought, to hear what the woman had to say. When you met my son's wife in the woods some weeks ago, resumed Mrs. Hill with dry deliberation, did she impress you as being quite rational? Mrs. Pettibone hesitated, recalling the wild looks and gestures of the tragic young figure she seemed to be in deep trouble of some kind she said slowly like one who's kept something hidden for so long that it burst out as a kind of relief the woman's lashes lifted with a jerk then she told you what did she say Oh, she did not know that i was anywhere about at first and i didn't understand it was all incoherent you spoke to her i asked her to tell me what was the matter I was very much surprised to meet anyone in those woods. We hadn't heard the place was let.' "'Well?' You asked her, and she told you. I thought at first she was a mere child, her hair was hanging in a long braid. The woman made an impatient gesture. She likes it best that way. She told you what?' Oh, "'She said she was married, and that her name was Sylvia Cruden.' "'Is that all?' All that I can think of. Mrs. Pettibone looked directly at her inquisitor. I can think of nothing else, she repeated. Mrs. Hill was staring at her with curious intentness. That is Sylvia's illusion, she said. She thinks she is married to another man. Of course, it's very painful for me to speak of this. Very painful for my son. She will recover, of course, in due time. On that score we have no anxiety. No anxiety whatsoever. The woman's voice rang flat and insincere. And why do you tell me this? Asked the minister's wife. Because I want you to know it. You can explain, if anyone asks you, that we do not receive visitors and we are not in need of popular sympathy, which is merely another word for officious curiosity. Mrs. Pettibone stood up her little figure still panoplied in presbyterial dignity. "'I'm sorry for your daughter,' she murmured, "'and for you. "'I am not curious, as you seem to think. "'I only wanted to help.' Mrs. Hill's face twisted painfully, as if the words had touched a hidden spring of violent emotion, and then her features composed themselves into their usual expressionless calm. In a case of this kind... Nothing can be done by an outsider," she said in a slow, cold voice. I shall do for Sylvia what must be done. No one can help. Mrs. Pettibone moved quietly toward the door. When she had reached it she turned and looked at the woman, who still sat stolidly in her chair by the window, her face in the waning afternoon light curiously resembling a mask of old ivory with motionless eyes of jade. I shall not come again, said Mrs. Pettibone, unless you send for me, and I shall not speak of what you have told me. I can see no reason for doing so. As for Milly, I think you can trust her. She may not be a lady after your way of thinking, but she is true and good, and she will do what she can to make things easier for you. End of chapter 13